Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29. Hear the word of the Lord. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The word of the Lord. Well, you know the feeling, you get your mail, you sort the bills, and uh, you trash the junk mail, and then all of a sudden you find this oversized envelope, and it's got your name written in real fancy oversized font script. It's like, you know what it is, an invitation has hit your inbox. And so uh, it could be a variety of things, and this is actually the season for invitations, so you can expect some fancy mail to come your way. There's many things we're celebrating. There's graduations, there's weddings, there's retirements, there's birthdays, bar mitzvahs. I've even heard of divorce parties. Imagine that. Funny thing about an invitation, though, it does no good sitting on a desk. It only works when you RSVP. And you only get to experience the event if you actually show up and attend. In our passage today, Jesus extends an invitation. It's not a save the date, although it could possibly save a lot of stress. It's an invitation to rest. In 2016, there was a survey that was conducted by Durham University, and they surveyed 13,000 people, and 68%, over two-thirds of the people surveyed, indicated that they needed more rest I would assume today that there would be a good number of people here today that would hit that uh, two-thirds majority. You could say, yeah, I could use more rest in my life. The story today in Scripture, in Matthew 11, uh, is, I think, a very compelling invitation that the Lord gives. But I think to get an accurate uh, contextual look at this passage, we have to go back to the beginning of Matthew 11. As the chapter begins, Jesus is going town to town. He's preaching, he's teaching, and he's doing a lot of miracles. And in verse 16, Jesus sounds like a frustrated preacher. I know what that sound sounds like. Evidently, not many people were responding to his teaching. Can you imagine that? Not responding to Jesus? He says this, To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. His audience basically had hearts of stone. They were lifeless. They were unmoved spiritually. They were emotionless. And then Jesus began to denounce the towns where he performed the miracles. Woe, Milwaukee. Woe, Columbus. No, he didn't really say that. (laughs) I just inserted those towns because those are the cities that the Boston Bruins and the Celtics are trying to beat. So, anyway, a little creative license there. Is that okay? Anyway, he didn't say Milwaukee. If you're from Milwaukee or Columbus... I'm not going to apologize because we still want to beat you. Anyway, he listed some towns that miracles had been performed, but there was no no response spiritually. 
These original cities are probably no different than ones I named even Boston, any city. For people, the nature of people is to love the show, to be attracted to the bells and whistles, but to be unaffected spiritually. They anger Jesus. It's like he was saying, what more do you want me to do for you? So one would think the next words out of Jesus' mouth would be judgmental, like because of your hard hearts, here's what I'm going to do for you or to you. I'm going to lower the boom. I'm going to drop the hammer. But as often as the case, Jesus surprises us. And he surprises us with grace. With an invitation, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's four topics that kind of come out of this, out of these verses tonight that I'd like for us to consider tonight. It's the invitation, it's the lesson, it's the life and the day. First, the invitation. It's so simple, there's just three words in the invitation. If you just get it pared down to that, the essence of it is, come to me. Everyone who is weary, everyone who is burdened, come to me. I've got just the remedy for your exhaustion. I've got just the thing to lift your burden. I love that he said all. All. It wasn't just for the Jews, though they were included. By the way, the Jews really needed to hear this message because not only did they have the burden of Ten Commandments, but they had another 600 plus regulations that they had to follow to the letter of the law. Talk about a religious burden on your back, that was it. So they needed these words, but not just them. Everyone else, every race, every ethnicity, every culture, this invitation, come to me all. And get this, just when you expect him to say, come to me and repent, you stone-hearted people, he bypasses repentance totally. He doesn't say a word about forgiveness, about getting their heart right with God. He says, hang out with me and get some rest. Then he speaks of a lesson in this invitation, which is our second word kind of, that I'd like for us to consider, the lesson I believe it's in the rest mode that, Jesus, that a person can learn about Jesus. Evidently, it's difficult to learn from Jesus in one's busyness. Jesus is saying that it's not in the working, in the hurrying, in the achieving, even in the obeying. It's in the rest that one learns the gentleness and the humility of Jesus. I think Jesus was the most chill person ever. He wasn't about proving anything other than how much he loved people. So you want to learn Jesus, maybe even be like him? There's a path that he prescribes here, a, a spiritual path of rest and discovery. I want you to capture that if you're taking notes. Rest and discovery. 
In doing so, one's life can be transformed. Which brings us to the third point here, the life. Religion has historically placed a heavy burden on well-meaning people. Rules and regulations, a myriad of do these things, don't do these things, have weighed people down. These expectations strip people of the delight of knowing Jesus. They feel like they have to measure up somehow by achieving the approval of God to be loved and accepted. That's why the shorter Westminster Catechism, though written in 1649, still resonates today. It simply says, and I quote, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The message the church has historically communicated is laced with ways to glorify God. You can glorify God by singing, by serving, by preaching, by giving, by praying, by studying, by obeying, by going. Get all this by doing. If you do these things enough and well enough, then somehow, some way, you can glorify God, earn his favor, and maybe, just maybe, he'll love you a little bit more. We could parse this out, but the point is this. The scales are typically not balanced in the church's messaging. It's weighted heavily in glorifying God, but it's very light when it comes to enjoying God, now and forever. Are you capturing that? Real heavy and let's glorify God. Let's exalt him. Let's serve him, but very light. Let's Not much talk about let's enjoy him, let's rest in him, let's delight in him, let's hang out with him, let's be in his presence. According to Jesus, those who find rest in him will live a rather whimsical life. Does that sound appealing to anyone? His invitation says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you know much about farming, uh, especially in this, the, the... agrarian culture they would put the yoke on the oxen and the tighter the yoke the more the oxen would respond directly to the uh, to the farmer and to going in the right direction and doing the work the yoke in terms of spiritually is about servitude the idea serving God is easy for those who find rest in him Also, the burden is light. It's not like a heavy religious boulder tied to your back that you have to perform. So how can one experience this easy yoke and light burden? How can one rest and learn and take on Jesus' approach to life to learn about his gentleness, to learn about his humility? It sounds great, you say, but how can I find rest? I'm so busy. Well, part of what we want to do today is talk about something that's very practical. Perhaps you could consider establishing a rhythm of spiritual rest for your life. Christ-centered spiritual rest. For Jesus is clear. This is how he defines rest and renewal. Come to me. Come to Jesus. It's not just meditating on something, nature, or whatever. It's coming to Jesus and finding rest for the soul. 
There's such rhythms that were established in the creation narrative. However you look at Genesis 1 and 2, the point is that one-seventh of the time was spent in reflection and renewal and rest. And this is what we learn, and then it's mandated in the Ten Commandments. It must, rest must have been so important to God that he's, this is a command. This is what, and if you know anything about the Ten Commandments, it's not just here's the ten things that you do or you don't do. It says this is good for you. This will bless you if you follow these things. The Ten Commandments are, are intended to just bring, just heap on blessing after blessing after blessing on the person that walks in those ways. Thus we have the Sabbath. It's, if it's observed, it creates a profound rhythm of rest, which leads us to the fourth and the last thought here in terms of this particular passage of Scripture and what I believe correlates to this come unto me and I will give you rest passage the day. Most of you know about Sabbath and I suppose many of you think the idea of Sabbath is antiquated. Just doesn't fit lifestyles today. There's just no way. Take a day, are you serious? Still, if you have those preconceived ideas, I hope you'll hear me out. Busy lifestyles have taken their toll on well-meaning Christ followers and really all people in general. The reality for 21st century Christ followers, according to author Peter Scazzaro, is the following. And Pete uh, Scazzaro, uh, pastor in New York City, uh, was running a very, you know what the pace in New York City is like, and he year after year after year was running this fast pace, and he came to this really catastrophic event in his life where he crashed, and he's like, there's got to be more to being a Christ follower than this. And what he was preaching to people, he wasn't observing, and he hit this wall, and he has some wonderful reflections and writings and and I encourage you, Peter Scazzaro, in fact, in the version outline, we have uh, one of the books that I would recommend that you consider uh, reading. But he says 21st century Christ followers look a lot like this. They are living off the spirituality of others. There's a failure to invest their time in personal spirituality. They live life on the run. They're often scattered, uncentered, and distracted. Mostly head and not heart experience of Jesus. And about one inch deep spiritually. And there's more. We had to do two slides for this. The interior life isn't healthy. They're not really praying very much. Not very intentional in pursuing Jesus. They're overloaded and exhausted in a state of, and I think this is very descriptive and, and very much pertinent, continuous partial attention. Sound all too familiar? The Sabbath is one way to experience the rest Jesus spoke of when he said those three words, come to me. Father Heschel was a Jewish rabbi, theologian and philosopher who survived the Holocaust and settled in New York City. In his book, The Sabbath, he wrote, and I quote, 
Six days a week, we live under the tyranny of things of space. On the Sabbath, we try to attend to holiness in time. What was created on the seventh day? Tranquility, serenity, peace, and repose. The Sabbath is no time for personal anxiety, for care, or any activity that might dampen the spirit of joy. The Sabbath is not a time to remember sins, to confess, to repent, or even pray for relief or anything we might need. It is a day for praise, not a day for petition. Fasting, mourning, and demonstrations of grief are forbidden. It has some strong things to say about Sabbath and Sabbath rest. Father Heschel was an advocate for rest even from the thought of labor. He gives a classic illustration. A pious man once took a stroll in his vineyard on the Sabbath. He saw a breach in the fence and then determined to mend it when the Sabbath would be over. At the expiration of the Sabbath, he decided, since the thought of repairing the fence occurred to me on the Sabbath, I shall never repair it. Imagine that, having such deep convictions about Sabbath rest that even the very thought of future work on that day of rest was repulsive to him. You say, that's really extreme. Okay, I get that. But maybe, just maybe, that extreme could move the pendulum a little bit more toward this way for us. I'd like to share four elements to a biblical Sabbath. One is stopping. What is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is stopping work for a 24-hour period. It's the day you don't do. But one can only stop if they trust, which leads us to the second bullet here, trusting. Trusting definitely relates to stopping. How or can you trust God to stop working for a day? We know that trust is at the core of Christ-centered spirituality. Most of us do not stop unless we finish. The problem is we never finish. Sabbath is structured do-nothingness in my schedule. As leaders, and Boston is full of them, and this room is full of leaders. Is there anything more difficult to do than to stop? Observing Sabbath is, is, is an acknowledgement that I have limits, that I am not God. Keeping Sabbath is like giving the Lord the tithe. You see, the tithe says God can do more with 90% than I can do with 100%. It's a matter of trust. Sabbath, the Sabbath trusts that God can do more in six days through me or in me, or I can be more productive in six ways if I give it to God than I can do in seven. It's a matter of trust. So what do we do with this day? Well, it's about resting. The third bullet. Sabbath is about coming to Jesus for rest, finding rest for our souls, but it takes preparation for things to be done so that we can have that space. Sabbath helps us reach a place where we are not defined by what we do, which is very hard in today's high-performance society and culture. 
but rather we're defined by who we are in God. Such discovery only happens when we stop. But just if, in case you were thinking, well, I'm not sure I'm in on that because I just don't want to like, how many naps can I take in like one day? It's like, it's about resting, resting, resting. Well, that's, that's why this fourth bullet's very important. It's also about delighting. It's, see, the Sabbath is not just about resting, but includes delighting. So the question, I think, for, for us is what delights you? What gives you rest? God looked at his creation and delighted in it. That was what delighted God in creation. On the Sabbath, you are free to do what brings you delight. Eugene Peterson says to, quote, play on the Sabbath. Take walks in the park. Take a hike. I'm not telling you to take a hike, by the way. You know, okay, anyway, you know what I'm saying. Play something, ride a bike, go to the beach, browse a bookstore, enjoy nature, go to a game, although it could stress you out a little bit this time of year, certain teams. Eat, delight in family and friends, make a day of it every week. Father Heschel once said, Jews don't keep the Sabbath, the Sabbath keeps the Jews. He also attributed the Sabbath to certainly helping many survive the Holocaust. So I give you permission tonight to take a snow day once a week. It's a matter of life, really living in death. I have personal experience just fairly recently in this. See, part of our Discipleship Project, Module 1 and Pivot, we talk about Sabbath. We talked about resting in God. And so I was a part of the team that put the material together. And I'm, as we're going through Sabbath, I'm like, yeah, it's been a while since I had really dedicated myself to keeping one day a week for Sabbath rest. And so as happens often in the life of a preacher, you get convicted about the things that you talk about and the things that you work on. And so I was convicted that I needed to address this in my life again. And there had been periods of time that I observed the Sabbath uh, very religiously, actually, but not recently. And I could always give all the reasons why it wasn't going to work. But I decided Saturday was going to be my Sabbath. I made a commitment to work harder Monday through Friday if that meant working later Friday into the evening so I would have everything prepared for Sunday, then I would do that. Because I treasured having that day for renewal. I'd like to say that I've kept every Saturday completely free from appointments and, and work-related things, but I can't say that. But I can say I've kept the majority of those Saturdays free. In fact, it was, it was funny yesterday because we, we like to do things. And, you know, the, yesterday was uh, the real talk for women. And, and uh, Shelly and many others were involved in putting that together. And it was a great event. And so uh, in the morning, Shelly's like, so what do you want to do? And the word do just kind of hit me. What do you want to do this afternoon after real talk? And I so I, I'm fresh on the heels of preparing this. I was like, I don't want to do 
anything. I just want to chill and be together and just rest. And I'm sure that's what she, she was fine with that. It wasn't like, 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 look at me. It was just like, that word, do. What do you want to do? It's like, I don't want to do anything. And that's okay. To delight, to play, to rest and experience refreshing. So now it's locked into my rhythm of a week. And if I miss it, I, I do really, really miss it. So I encourage you tonight to come to Jesus not just once for salvation, not just when we have a need, when something's pressing, so I've got to go to Jesus for this. It's like going to Santa Claus or going to a genie, rub the lamp, and so we can get what we want or what we need. Not for that, but to go to Jesus just to be with him. To come to rest in his presence, which we're going to talk about next Sunday the linkage in the presence of the Lord and rest for our souls. Once you experience it, I don't think you'll ever want to go back. So I encourage you to consider today's teaching, the opening of the invitation in your spiritual inbox. It's not the fancy envelope with the scripted writing, but the invitation's been opened to you because we've opened the word of God. You've reviewed the invitation, come to me, to find rest for your souls. Now it's up to you how you're going to RSVP. Are you going to accept? Are you going to decline the invitation? Maybe delay responding? Leave the invitation open on the desk of your heart? Just not deal with it because you know the week ahead, there's no way I could do it. I just want to say this last thing before we pray, that there is life, there is life and rest by accepting this invitation, this kind invitation of Jesus Christ for you personally. Let's pray.